Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 202, and it's titled Delayed Ejaculation, What Causes It and How to Overcome It. This is an interesting topic because for a long time, almost all the work that we did was the opposite problem. Most of the men that we would work with would actually have what we would classify as premature ejaculation, which for us, as you know, if you've listened to the show, we consider premature ejaculation is ejaculating before you want to. However, we are seeing now more and more men show up with the opposite problem, which is delayed ejaculation. It seems to be more popular. (laughs) Well, maybe popular is not the right word, but it's more common. So there there are a number of reasons for that, and we're going to get into what those reasons are. We're going to talk about solutions because there's a ton of stuff out there for men with premature ejaculation. Granted, most of it's not very good. That's true. (laughs) Um, We have our own course out there uh, called Master Your Ejaculation, uh, which is also part of our sexual mastery course. Uh, That one we think is good. (laughs) (laughs) But there's not a lot out there. So, you know, when I end up coaching men and they come to me with this problem, they, they really basically have no idea where to start because there's just not a lot of information out there. So that's what we're going to cover today. We're going to talk about the reasons for it, and we're going to talk about what you can do about it. That's exciting, and hopefully, hopefully it will give you the tools, the motivation you need, and, and to feel better about this, because it can be a big problem. It can be a problem for you. It could be a problem in your relationship, and we'll talk more about the dynamic. We'll talk more also maybe about the role of the women and all of that. But before we get started, let's give a big shout out to our sponsors, Power and Mastery. So if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed, then check out Power and Mastery at powerandmastery.com. It is the most complete sexual mastery training for men, whether you want to have harder erections, last longer, or increase your sexual skills, there is something for you at powerandmastery.com. So make sure you go check it out and the link will be in the description below. So maybe as a good place to start will be to start to look at some of the reasons uh, because some of them, you need to rule them out and some of them are things that you can do on your own. So we'll talk about some of the things that you need to wear, maybe a little bit of awareness and understanding. Don't freak out. I hope you're not a hypochondriac. If we name some disease or things and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I have this terrible thing, you know, uh, that might probably not, it's probably not the case, but we need to talk about that. Uh, Yeah. You know, these things need to be mentioned because they are possible causes. I can say so far, all the men that have come to me with this have not had any of these 
physical problems. That is correct. But you want to rule out any physical issues. You want to get a physical exam. You might want to go to a urologist, somebody who can do like a pelvic uh, palpations, hands-on on things and, and make sure everything's fine with your prostates, with, you know, everything in that area. And you also want to check in with your doctor because delayed ejaculation could be due to um, something that's a condition like conditions that are much uh, more serious much more than serious. just the exactly. fact that you can't ejaculate. So things like diabetes could be one thing, multiple sclerosis, pelvic trauma, prostate surgery, spinal cord injury, all of these can affect your ejaculation. So especially if you are undiagnosed or don't know about any of that, that's good to check, making sure that everything rules out good. Now, we're not going to spend more time talking about this because really that needs to happen with a uh, professional, medical professional, and just go and get that done in that way. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, when a client comes to us, most of the time they they generally assume that they're pretty healthy. Like otherwise they tell us right up front that they have a particular issue. But the very first thing that we always have to tell them is make an appointment with your doctor, have them check you out, give you a Run some physical, blood work, run some blood work. Get some and lab just tests. just make sure there isn't anything else in the way. And one of the reasons for that is, is if there is something else in the way that you're not aware of, then we could spend months working on this and not get anywhere because we don't, we're not addressing the real cause of it. So always that first step is to rule out any underlying medical condition that might exist. Now, there's a big one that we need to address here, which are prescription drugs. Now, prescription drugs, so many people use them on a daily basis. Now, some are very well known to delay ejaculation, things like the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors, uh, leptins, antihistamine, SSRIs, muscle relaxants, and opiates. Okay, so some of those are pretty obvious, right? Like muscle relaxants and opiates, like we know what effect they have on us so it's pretty obvious to to see hmm, <laughs> i wonder why i'm not feeling anything because i'm a bit numb i'm comfortably numb <laughs> i wonder why my muscles are too relaxed to do the rhythmic contractions that are required for an orgasm right like that's pretty obvious but some of them are not and you know in our opinion the medical community is not real good at mentioning these things, except in the fine print of those things when they talk really fast and then they can't understand a word <laughs> they're saying, right? Like that's where those things come in. Otherwise, they go, yeah, no problem. Just I'll just put you on this. You'll be all fixed up for whatever your Ask other Ask your doctor is. if this is right for you. <laughs> right. So, so a lot of people aren't aware of things like the 5-alpha reductase inhibitors or, you know, still a lot of people are not familiar with the fact that SSRIs, which... Are antidepressants. Right. If you're not aware, they're antidepressant medications can affect your libido and your ability to ejaculate. And this is, this is a known common side effect. And, you know, 20 years ago when I knew some people that were going on these and they ran into that very problem, it was like, oh, uh... Yeah, sorry about that. We weren't, re we didn't really know about that, you know. <laughs> and nowadays, it's like it's literally so common that I'm still surprised that a lot of people don't realize that this could be getting in the way. So you know, the simple solution is to see if you can switch medication, switch therapies, like 
find alternative because we all react to things differently. So sometimes one particular uh, antidepressant might work for you or not work well or, you know, have side effects, no side effects. So that's kind of a bit of a trial and error when it comes to the medications and that needs to be done and supervised properly. Yeah, I would say if there's any medical thing that gets in the way most commonly, it would be the antidepressant drug. Yes. As far as what we see in the work that we do. If, if we run into somebody who has something other than some of these other things that we're going to talk about in a minute, the, the likely other thing would then be... SSRIs. Yeah. It, it just is. It's And it's so common nowadays. Now let's address something that nobody wants to hear, but there is an age factor in there too. It is well known that as you get older, it can take more time to climax. So that so means... So for all of you experiencing premature ejaculation, there's hope. <laughs> <laughs> just wait another 30 just years. Just wait a few more years. <laughs> Um, it does mean that things change. And, you know, it's funny because I think as women, we expect that. We know that our sexuality will shift as our hormones shift, as we go through our lives. And we're okay with that. And we're like, yeah, we don't expect to be the same than we were at 20 that now than we are in our 40s or 50s or 60s. What's interesting, though, is I actually don't want to go back to being in my 20s. I think that sex is much better now for me. Now, sometimes what I find interesting for the men, they tend to prefer the sex they had before. I don't know. Or maybe it's the, the glorification. You know, they actually say that what we believe is true, the, the memories that we have of events, 50% of it is an embellishment of the truth to make <laughs> us feel better about why we failed or why we did this or that or, or why we're still stuck in our life. So we just kind of make up stuff. So when you're thinking, I was so good in the start at 20, let's revisit that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so even though you think you're right because you clearly remember it, your memory is likely wrong, at least 50% of the time. That, that's and, a big odd. And the reality is when it comes to sex, almost nobody in their 20s is good at it. They just aren't. I don't care. Uh, you know, I don't want to offend the younger people listening to us because we do have a fair share of younger people listening to us. But honestly, if you were to really compare yourself to somebody that has made it a point throughout their lives to have sex consistently and try to be good at it, you're not as good as they are. You're just not. And I can honestly say it because I thought I was pretty good at it. And you know what? I was compared to other people, you know, like when I would talk with girlfriends or friends about it. But compared to where I am now, it's nowhere close. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not even close. So, you know, <clears throat> there are a lot of benefits to the aging process. I personally think that sex is way better now than it was then. And it's not, that it, it's not that it was bad then. It was just different. And But you know yourself better. Also, you tend to know your partner. I think we women get better with time. We get better at asking what we want. We get better at accessing our orgasm, you which in turn makes it better less for you. Hangups in the way because exactly. you're more secure with your body and who you are. And so everybody benefits from that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and us as men too. I mean, we think we're great. Like we had sex four times last night. Yeah, that's because your four times were five minutes each. Mm -hmm. Like really. So as we get older, we learn to be able to control that. And then, you know, if we really want to, we can master it and we can go as long as we want. We can decide to ejaculate if we want or not. We decide when we want to ejaculate. 
we suddenly become a whole lot more concerned with what's happening with our partner. <laughs> so when you're 20 and you're a guy and you're having sex, you're just like, this feels great, man. Oh, oh, can't wait to have an <laughs> orgasm, right? And, <laughs> and she's like, hello, I'm here. Right. Look at me. Connect with me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Stay with me. Be with me. Come on, focus. Right? And, and so as we get older as men, we care a whole lot more about that connection, yeah. that focus, how is she doing? In fact, you know, I talk with a fair amount of men, you know, 40s to 50s-ish, a lot of them, and they all pretty much say the same thing, that for, for at least the ones I talk to, are actually, the majority of the time, more concerned with her pleasure than their own. Correct. And that is, that is completely opposite most, I use the term lightly, men in their 20s. <laughs> Or even 30s. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on a little bit here. Uh, there's a few things that I wanted to address before we get into like the real meat of the most of people, like the real reason per se. Um, but you've got to be aware that drinking alcohol can affect your ability to ejaculate, to feel things, to connect with your body. So it is well known. Alcohol and sex and libido and erections, they tend to not go well. I, I just had this conversation with a coaching client. So he, um, you know, it's between sessions. I asked him, so how did it go since the last session? Because he actually is experiencing this delayed ejaculation thing. And the story starts off, well, we were on vacation and uh, we had a few drinks and then, you know, I couldn't ejaculate and she got kind of annoyed at me. And I said, well, you drink. I said, you realize that you didn't set yourself up for success, right? Because you knew that you were already experiencing this problem. And part of the homework was to do some practices to try to fix that. But then you add the alcohol in the mix, and yeah, I wasn't at all surprised, not even a little bit, that that happened in that moment. So <clears throat> a lot of people think that, you know, oh, we need a little alcohol to relax, to, you know, get in the mood, to do our thing. And, you know, for some people, especially... I don't mean to keep bagging on the younger people, but the younger people have a lot of insecurities. And so a lot of times they need things like alcohol to mellow out and relax and get in the mood. There are other ways that you could uh, address that that are much healthier than alcohol. But uh, just know that if you, no matter what age you are, if you're experiencing this issue, you're not helping yourself. By drinking. By drinking alcohol. And, yeah, I'm not, not opposed to alcohol. I'm not telling you you shouldn't drink. Like, I get it. You want to have a glass of wine with dinner or whatever. Yeah, but, but a glass of wine is different than a few drinks. You know, if you well, drink for sure. more than the, one, the, right? The more you have, the greater the chances are that it's going to affect your ability to ejaculate. Yeah, you just have to find what works for you, right? Your body weight, your absorption, <laughs> the kind of alcohol. You know, is it wine or is it strong tequila? You know, anyway. And timing is important, too. Yes. You know, maybe if you have a glass of wine when you're out at dinner and then by an hour and a half two hours later when you're home in the bedroom it might be fine so figure out yeah like like you know just thyself said, right what works for you another reason is something to do with your hormones so if you have a low testosterone or low thyroid hormones these can delay ejaculation so having these tested will 
help you know where you are. I do want to say, and because we'll talk more again about testosterone in a little bit, but the numbers you see doesn't always tell it all, but it's also more about how do you feel? Do you feel good? Do you have, a, do you have mojo or do, do you have like a hard time being motivated with life and finding your happy place? Like there's a lot of things there, but knowing that if your hormones are out of balance, it can delay your ejaculation, create things different in how your body responds. That's that's a good thing to be aware of. Yeah, and that's it is kind of a deep rabbit hole for multiple reasons. One is what really is low testosterone. So you'll hear all kinds of opinions mm-hmm. on that. Well, it means a number under this, or it means this, or it means that. The reality is, is that all men's hormone levels are different. It's a pretty wide range. And as you age, yes, so starting around 30, your testosterone levels start decreasing. The problem is, is if you never had a baseline, you don't know when you're 40 or 50 if your number is significantly low or only a little bit low because you don't know what you were originally. You know, some men may be way over 1,000 easy, no problem, and others were maybe more like 600 normally. So then if you get a 400 number, you know, and you were at 600, you go, okay, it's dropped some, I'm older, I get it, that's part of aging, no big deal. And then if you're normally 1,000 and you've dropped to 400, then you go, oh, that's a much bigger deal, right? So the, it gets tricky. The other thing is, is a lot of times there's two tests, there's total testosterone and free testosterone, and a lot of times you'll just hear a number thrown out there, and sometimes doctors won't even tell you which one they actually <laughs> tested. Yeah. So wait, well, what number is that? And right? then you got to remember, when do you test? You know, did you test first thing in the morning? Was it on a Friday morning when you were exhausted? Or was it on a Monday when you were refreshed from your weekend? Like, you know, lots of things. Yeah, were you under a ton of stress? Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors in there. And so a point that you made, Celine, that I think is really important when it comes to testosterone is, you know, the... There are a bunch of symptoms to look for, like you don't get morning erections, right? You don't have a libido. You have trouble putting on muscle mass. You have excessive fat around the belly. Like You, f- you feel depressed you or feel depressed. like low, so, just blah. So if you don't have any of those things, yet your number comes back low, well, what does that really mean, yeah. right? So that's why you got to be careful with the numbers. But it, in general, low testosterone can contribute to this. And thyroid. And thyroid. Low, low thyroid. So the so, thyroid is so essential to so many um, reactions in the body. And if it's out of balance, so many things get thrown out of balance. Yeah, too. we did two episodes on hormones, one with Dr. Michael Platt and one with Dr. Robert Fleischer. And if you're curious to know more about that, because I know Dr. Platt talked about uh, thyroid hormone stuff too. True. Um, go look those episodes up and listen to them because you will learn something. Next, um, and it's kind of connected to that if you experience depression or mental disorder, because it's like if you have hormone issues, you're probably going to feel depressed or out of balance because our mood is dictated by a hormone. So they kind of go hand in hand. So I think that's about as much time as I want to spend on that because I want to get closer to some of the things that we see most people, what it comes down to. The last three on our list are basically, I would say, like, 80 to 90% of the people we see fall into that category. So you are most likely going to be falling in that category. Number one, it's poor masturbation habits. 
it mostly has to do with a a desensitization process that has happened over time. You know, most men will masturbate the same than they did when they were a teenager. They haven't really upgraded the technique. Maybe they used to hump a pillow. The way you hump a pillow and the way you uh, have sex with a woman are very different. And so if you uh, like the sensations or what you get from that humping, you're probably going to have a hard time getting that when you're with a woman. Maybe you are... Um, using your hand really harshly, you don't use any lube of any kind, and you just go like, really, I've seen it where they grip their penises and go like, yeah, this is, I, this I'm is blown the part away. that is absolutely amazing to me, because, you know, in the work that you do, sometimes one of the things you'll do, because you know that this is a common cause, is show me, mm-hmm. show me how you masturbate. Because the thing is, guys always think that the way they masturbate is totally fine and totally normal. And then they show you what they're doing, and you're like, what? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> no, Grant, I'm not not in those sessions when I see those, but when you describe them to me, I I I, I can't. Eat, I, I most of the time I'm like, I, how? What? Who taught you how to do? Like, what was going through your mind? Yeah. Like sometimes, literally, guys will masturbate so rough that they're literally damaging their penis. Yeah, and they're sore and things like and, that. Yeah. And this happens way more than just like the occasional outlier case. Yeah. You know, if it was just one or two here or there, we wouldn't think much of it. They're outliers because there are always outliers. But when we see it as frequently as we do, it's like, what, what is going on here? So that, that really rough technique can desensitize you just like anything else. I mean... If you're doing martial arts and you're learning how to do round kicks, right? The first couple of times you do that, it hurts your shins like a, mm, right? But then you keep doing it, you keep doing it, you keep doing it, and eventually you don't feel it anymore. Well, you know, think of many years of really rough... Abusing ab- that stick. Abusive <laughs> masturbating. I mean, yeah. it does. It just does. Another way that we see that can get in the way is with porn and porn overuse. And more specifically, what it does is that, and again, we have episodes on porn. We've had experts. We had people on um, porn addiction. I mean, there's a lot. Like if you go through the history of how many people we've interviewed and stuff, there's there's a goldmine there of information for you. But what happens with porn is... Oftentimes, you start with something and then you need more and more. And what happens is that you condition your brain to need a lot more stimulus to reach climax. And it's fine when you're on the internet because you can pretty much always find something more hardcore. But in real life, there's usually a limit to what you can do. And so then your body and your mind is trained to have this like 10 intensity in order to get the uh, climax, the pleasure that you usually get. And in real life, you might only be able to push it to a four or five. So there's a disconnect with that. Yeah. And that's the problem is that excessive porn use creates a massive disconnect because what happens is the porn fantasy becomes what you desire and it doesn't match reality, right? So like the way I describe it when I'm coaching clients is like, okay, so you get to pick the woman that you like, the one that is the exaggerated everything, the exaggerated lips, the exaggerated hips, the exaggerated ass, the exaggerated boobs, like the whole thing, right? Just like everything's exaggerated, the exaggerated screaming, the exaggerated moaning. She, she looks like, you know, the perfect model from a magazine cover, 
and she does literally absolutely everything you want her to do. (laughs) You know, she never says no. Like she's just literally, it's like this perfect fantasy. Uh, You can pick your genre, right? Like, oh, she squirts or she this or whatever. And then you're like, wow, okay, I have that stimulation all the time. You go and real life comes up and you look at your real life partner and it's nowhere near the same. Maybe there's some fat, a little cellulite. It's not the perfect boobs or the perfect She might say no. She might (laughs) might say no and not want to do the thing that you want to do, right? So you, what it really does is, is it, it, it creates an alternate reality that conflicts with your actual reality. And that gets in the way of your ability to even get an erection a lot of the times. That's, that's a problem with that. Um, and or ejaculating because the, the, the level of stimulation for you isn't there with the real thing. And that's a problem. So another thing that we always do when coaching men who have this problem is you've got to go on a porn fast for a while. <laughs> because we have, to, we have to find ways to resensitize you so that when real life walks in the room naked, you get excited. Ooh. You're like, yeah, uh-huh. Right? Rather than, eh, it's not as good as my porn. <laughs> Last but not least, I want to address this part is that there could be a mental component like a fear of intimacy. So it could be something in your relationship where you are afraid of being vulnerable and really just fully letting go and in turn your body is not going there. There could be concerns about a pregnancy. Maybe one of you wants a kid, the other one doesn't, or there's that fear that this could happen, what would we do? And that could be enough to uh, block you in that. And things with guilt and shame about your pleasure, about your body and your sexuality can also play a big role. And so you want to look at different things where what's the dynamic in the relationship? Because let's say you're like, I don't watch porn. I masturbate and I'm fine when I masturbate. I can come anytime I want. But it's when I'm with my partner when what that tells us is there is something there underneath that needs to be brought up to the surface because there's a dynamic between the two of you that you've created that doesn't allow you for a full uh, letting go, for a full trust for a full experience of surrendering these are often the hardest ones to uncover they're not impossible because we do uncover them but they are often the most difficult causes to find because they're hidden and because the men usually aren't aware that they're there so it it takes some digging and some working through stuff before we can start to get down to the lower layers of where this stuff is coming from and I mean, that, that's when it comes in handy to work with somebody to help you see those things. Yeah, sure, absolutely. You know, I mean, any sure. of these could be it. I would say guilt and shame are probably the two ones I see the most, whether it's from a repressive religious upbringing or something like that. Uh, those, those two get in the way a lot. All right, so we are going to now start to talk about what you can do and... Um, you know, from like common things at home, some 
medical approach to and then a little bit of a reframe just to help you feel good but before we get there we want to invite you to check out our online store Kevin and I have selected some great products and handpicked affiliates where we feel like they have value and can help you increase you know your health your sex life your relationship like bring some good juju to your bedroom and if you purchase any of the products that we are um promoting we uh, we get a little commission that helps us continuing doing the work that we do giving you all this um, amazing podcasts and videos that we put out there for you and also we feel good because those products are great and can help as many people as possible so if you go to celineremy.com forward slash products go check it out from courses to supplements to biohacking devices we've got it all Sex and toys. that's true CelineRemy.com forward slash products or go to the description in the link below in the in the below. <laughs> in the description below. Thank you. <laughs> in the below. <laughs> the below the belt. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Down below. <laughs> One of our favorite places. <laughs> All right. So now that we've given you some of the reasons, uh, let's talk about what you can do. So number one, you want to address your body chemistry uh, and check out your testosterone levels. Most people say that it should be around 400, at least 400 or higher. And of course, address any thyroid imbalances and any alternative to your SSRIs or medications you're taking. Again, we've talked about this earlier, but we just wanted to put it there. This requires your doctor's supervision, uh, working with a professional, but it is possible. You can get there, and that's one thing that you can address. Now, let's talk about what you can do on your own at home areas that you need to start to look into. So number one, you want to start to look at your pelvic floor muscles because your pelvic floor muscles are essential. So what is an orgasm? An orgasm is basically a rhythmical contraction of your pelvic floor muscles. And you feel them when an orgasm is coming. You can feel that pulsating, pulsating in your prostate, pulsating in your pelvic area. If you don't have toned or strong pelvic floor muscles, you're going to have weaker orgasms. As men age, and also due to our lifestyles where we are constantly sitting, there's an atrophy of these muscles, or sometimes they just become weak or I have also seen it where they become just hypertonic, where they're like too toned, where too tight, basically, <laughs> tight ass, right, syndrome. <laughs> and so you want to find just the right balance of not too toned and not too uh, relaxed. We just kind of think of it as a trampoline where it's bouncy so that the sexual energy and the orgasm can get there. So working and addressing your pelvic floor muscle is one thing you can do. We can help you with that. And Power and Mastery, we teach you how to do that as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have anything else to add to that one because you did it perfectly. So I'm just going to go on to the next one, which is uh, relaxation and breathing exercises uh, to increase your mind-body connection and response to pleasure. So yeah, breathing exercise is definitely one of the ones that uh, I like to use when coaching men because like, one of the things you notice, maybe if you've been listening uh, to our show for a while, but when we talk about premature ejaculation, we talk about some of these same things. We talk about strengthening pelvic floor muscles. We talk about using breathing exercises and some of the ones we're going to talk about next. The interesting thing is, is that these exercises can be used if you ejaculate too fast, but they can also be used if you don't ejaculate fast enough because it's really all about strengthening and establishing control. Now with breathing exercises, 
we can do two different things. If we have somebody who has premature ejaculation, we can teach them how to slow their breathing down, slow everything down. But if you have the opposite problem, we can teach you to speed your breath up. You push the accelerator button. So here's the thing. <laughs> Ever noticed when you are having sex or even when you're watching porn or anything, any, anywhere where two humans are having sex, the closer they get to orgasm, the faster they start breathing, right? That's why in the beginning it's like, by the end it's like, right? It's not just because they've been doing physical <laughs> exercise and they're out of breath. It's literally connected, right? Like... Your breathing is connected to your orgasm. <laughs> I just can't get over you, little very, very bad orgasmic sounds. Well, you know. It's not the Meg Ryan one, though. No, because you know, no, nobody really wants to hear the guy orgasming. <laughs> like, you know, if you were doing it and doing like a, a, a woman fake orgasming thing, everybody would get turned on. But nobody really wants to hear the guy going, uh, uh, you know, it's like apes over here or something. <laughs> That's why I kind of did a half, half uh, ass one, but. <laughs> anyway, the point is that breathing exercises can be used uh, the opposite way in this case, which is to get you breathing faster, because the faster you breathe, the more you amp up the energy level and excitement that you feel in your body. And the more you do that, the closer you get to orgasm. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very interesting because in order to have an erection, you need to be into your parasympathetic nervous system, meaning the relax, rest and digest. In order to have an ejaculation, it kicks into your sympathetic nervous system, which is kind of more a fight, flight, freeze mode. But what's interesting is that most of us tend to live our lives constantly stuck in our sympathetic, like in reaction. But in the same time, it can numb us to that. Like we're so used to having such high levels of adrenaline that again, you have to find that sweet spot to be able to switch it on. And so that finding that way to shift from one to the other, and this is what you do in the relaxation and breathing exercises, you learn to kick in the parasympathetic or the sympathetic, learning to become like, just to have a better response that will help you. Another thing that you can do is to use your masturbation practice to resensitize and to get to know your body and to to just take it to a whole new different level. And it's not just that this like motion up and down, like a whole new way of masturbating, but using masturbation as a way to figure out what kind of pressure and do I need that much pressure? Maybe I can do something different and change things over time as well if you're not happy with what you have. Yeah, and the idea with this one is not just to, oh, let me just see if I can ejaculate. Now, and sometimes that will actually be the goal if I'm working with a man who who is having delayed ejaculation. It's like, well, let's see, can, can you actually get yourself there and how long did it take? Sometimes we'll do that. But the real idea here is to get you back in touch with the sensations. What are you actually feeling? Because as we talked about before with like the rough masturbation habits or the excessive masturbation to porn use, like that kind of stuff numbs you. So what we're trying to do here with some of these masturbation practices in this case is to resensitize you, get you like, what do I feel? So we might use different levels of touch, right? Different ways of masturbating. It's like, learn to really feel something, feel something. And of course, the key to this is not using um, porn, <laughs> not even using fantasy in your head, right? Because a lot of times that's the only way guys can get there, but that doesn't help them with the resensitizing process. Or the connection, because if you're lost in your fantasy, you don't really know what's happening in your body either. Yeah. 
There's another thing that you can use, which is to use male vibrators. And what they do is that oftentimes they'll they'll provide some uh, vibration on the perineum area, which can feel really good and help you to relax. Again, it helps to bring your focus to that area. I think sometimes this is why they, they're useful, because they just put your focus on the one point, you're not as distracted, then the vibration in, can make the muscles respond or just, just you know, like help you to tune into your body. Yeah, and, and it can help resensitize. It can help you start to feel things that yes. maybe you couldn't feel before. But the one sort of warning, the one caveat <laughs> is that excessive use of them could cause the opposite problem, which is desensitizing again, which is what we're trying to reverse. <laughs> but, you know, again, it's not, it's not the what... It's the how, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, last, well, we have two more things. Uh, we have addressing any psychological causes, like we mentioned earlier, if there's uh, guilt, shame, if there's issues in the relationship, whether you work with a therapist, with a coach, with um, what, whatever the professional support that you feel that you need. And there are different therapies that are body-based, that are just talked-based, like whatever seems to work for you at that point, like seek some help and support because uh, if you're stuck, it will help you unstuck. And there is one last thing that's kind of a medical approach. And it was interesting. I was doing a little bit of research on it before the show. It is called the Emsela Chair by BTL. It's E-M-S-E-L-L-A, Emsela Chair by BTL. And it's basically what it helps is it will help to strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. It uses like magnetic fields to contract the muscles. I think they were saying like 11,000 pelvic floor contractions in 28 minutes. You know, it's mostly designed for incontinence. They use it in women, but they also market it towards men, men with incontinence, men with uh, like issues with erections, men who had prostate surgeries, um, men after cancer, like different things like that. Um, basic is kind of the lazy way to re-strengthen your pelvic floor muscles. It's electro-stimmed muscles. This technology has been around forever. They're just repurposing it for a a new thing. And I'm not saying it, it doesn't work, but you don't need it. You can strengthen your pelvic floor muscles on your own. You don't need to go to a doctor. You don't need some fancy device. But if sometimes you, it helps. Sometimes yeah. people need it, you know. And again, like in order to get the chair, it's not something you just get at home. It's something you have to go to a practitioner. Um, and it's not cheap. And while it does work, you know, you have to dedicate yourself to it for like three to four weeks, multiple times a week. And then you go through maintenance and people seem to be happy with that. But I think that, you know, maybe depending on the severity of what you're going through, that could be a good first step to help you get back in touch. And then you can like take it from there. Sometimes it works. And so now I really wanted to talk about a little bit of a reframe. If you made it all the way towards the end of this episode, don't tune out yet. This is important. I think this reframe is essential. So we've given you the reasons, we've given you what to do, what to start to change. But there is one part that we haven't fully addressed, which is kind of a mindset reframe about this whole delayed ejaculation problem thingy that you're experiencing. Yeah, and there, there's there's multiple reframes. <laughs> so, you know, one that's actually not on the list here uh, that I was just coaching somebody with recently, which is that, you know, w- when they come to me and they say they have delayed ejaculation, I go, okay, all right. And then we start digging down into the details. Well, okay, 
What does that mean to you? How long does it usually take you? And then the answer I get is 20 to 30 minutes. And I'm thinking, wait, what? That's, that, that's, that's not delayed ejaculation. That's, that's actually the bare minimum to get a woman to orgasm, <laughs> right? So the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, so in this partic- with this particular person and his partner, she was used to men coming very, very quickly her whole life. Like men always come quickly. So 20 to 30 minutes to her was like a really long time. Now, in her case, she happens to ejaculate fairly quickly herself. To, to oh, orgasm. Oh, sorry, orgasm. <laughs> sorry. Well, maybe she ejaculates. <laughs> maybe, yeah. You're right. I meant orgasm. Thank you. <laughs> she happens to orgasm pretty quickly herself. So for her, she was like, it wasn't really a big deal. And she was like, ah, 20, 30 minutes, you know, whatever. But we, I really had to give him the reframe because I said, you don't really realize how lucky you are. I go, most women... Oh, what they would give to have a partner that could last 20 or 30 minutes. Yeah. And I said, 20, 30 minutes isn't even that long. Like if you were telling me you couldn't at all, you were making love for over an hour and you weren't even close to it. Like I'm like, okay. So the reframe here is understand what really is normal and what really isn't normal. So, you know, I think 20, 30 minutes is great. Good for you. There's a lot of guys would would just struggling. They would pay anything to be able to get to that length of time. Yeah. And and having said that, that length of time didn't necessarily work for them. So we had to figure out how to work with that because ultimately it's what works for the two of them. But just the reframe is 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 it really delay or not? What are your current expectations? Because. Let's say you're a guy who most of your life was, you know, a five to seven minute guy, right? And now all of a sudden you're a 20 to 30 minute guy. You're going to think something's wrong because you're like, all of a sudden I can't, I can't ejaculate in five to seven minutes anymore. But is that really a problem? <laughs> so what if it takes 20 or 30 minutes? And, you know, I always have to tell guys, sex is not about the destination. It's the journey. It's not, did I ejaculate or not? It's like, how much freaking amazing fun and sensation <laughs> did I have between the time we started and the time we finished, whether it was with an ejaculation or not, yeah. right? I mean, that's really what it's about. That's one of the things I tell guys who are experiencing premature ejaculation all the time, which is one of the reasons why, because sometimes they'll say, well, why would I want to last longer? And of course, there's many reasons for that. We talk about, you know, don't you want your woman to have an orgasm? Here's how much she takes and all that. But I say, do you like sex? Does it feel good? Is it enjoyable? Would you maybe enjoy those sensations more if you had it for 15 minutes instead of seven minutes? Like, wouldn't that be kind of cool? You know, huh? Yeah, never thought about that. (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like you're getting the greatest massage in the world for five minutes. You're like, oh, it's over already, you know? Like, wouldn't you love to lay there for an hour and get the best massage ever for like a full hour? Of course you would, <laughs> right? Same thing. It's all about the journey. Now, we've done many shows also around uh, tantric sex, the tantric approach, and how about how ejaculation and orgasms are two different things. So if you are somebody who can't ejaculate, but 
can you still have an orgasm? Because they separate the different things. So if you're focusing so much on the fact that there's no ejaculation happening at the end, you might be forgetting the fact that you could have orgasms independently of having that ejaculation. And learning how to separate the two, learning how to get there, then you won't really care so much whether or not you came. And it will be more about having multiple orgasms. I also want to give the female perspective because for us women, we don't always have an orgasm every time we have sex. Does it mean we're disappointed? Does it mean we don't want more of it? No, we're just like, oh, sometimes I hit the mark, sometimes I don't. And we're very used to having this type of experience. So for us, it's not that much of a big deal where you're like, oh, big deal, you didn't come today. Yeah, whatever, maybe next time, you know? And I think sometimes guys could use a little bit more of that like, whatever attitude when it comes to what happens, uh, as Kevin was saying, make it about the, the, the journey rather than the destination. But if you can understand that concept that your orgasms and ejaculation are different and you can really harness that power and you can have orgasm, who cares if you come? Yeah, and that really leads us into the last thing on the list, which is discussing with your partner. Because, you know, I, I had a client where he was feeling like, uh, you know, this was a problem. Uh, well, actually, no, sorry, I got that backwards. She was feeling like this was a problem, but to him, it wasn't a problem. And there was a disconnect there because I asked him one day, I said, well, you know, if you, if you made love for however long and you didn't ejaculate, would you still have thought that that was great sex? Like, would you still have enjoyed it? Would it still have been satisfying to you? And he's like, oh yeah, absolutely. I don't really care if I ejaculate. Right. So the idea the the problem comes from the fact that many women tie their self worth to their ability to make him come. And that's a bigger issue here that that's her own self-worth issues that need to be addressed that shouldn't be tied into his body reaction. It's the same that if a guy ties in his performance um, abilities in, in, in the bedroom based on just like how many orgasms she has, because sometimes, as I said, she doesn't get to an orgasm, but she had a great time, you know? So it's like, you have to remember that the, like you shouldn't tie in your self-worth to what happens in the bedroom. It should be focused on the connection independently of what happens. Yeah, and, and since we're talking about discussing with your partner, you got to have these conversations, right? Like, you know, he needs to say to her, hey, look, I still think the sex is amazing. It's fantastic. I love it. I walk away like blissed out, even if I don't have an ejaculation. Because she's over there thinking, this is a big problem. He's not having an ejaculation. I must be doing something wrong. I must not be good enough. And he's over there going, I don't even need it. And if you do think like sometimes you need it, also having a good conversation, because maybe one of the reasons she thinks, well, I really need him to come because then sex can be over with. Like you don't have to make the ejaculation, meaning that it's the end. If you're using her as a comeback where you're just like literally like doing everything you can to pump you come inside her she's not gonna want that or all over her whatever Uh, (laughs) but if you be like hey maybe i'll come maybe not it has nothing to do i think you're hot i think i love you like all of these things and it's like we call it 
we call it done when you're done. Let me know. Not like it's not when I'm done with this ejaculation that it's done. And we're not trying to like go so hard at it. Like I'm so close. I'm so close. I'm so close. And me just rub myself really hard inside of your vagina in the hope of making myself come while I'm burning you through my like <laughs> super high like like pressure and and thrusting. You know, like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> that was highly emotionally charged there. <laughs> Something tells me you've had that experience before. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, this is why I think the reframe is so important. It, it absolutely is because, you know, you can both have misunderstandings about it or one person can and, you know, they can just... Miscommunication is a big problem and, and so many things could be solved if you just had an open and honest, heartfelt and compassionate discussion about what's going on in your sex life. Well, we hope today we gave you good pointers and ideas, tips, and hopefully that you feel empowered and maybe even just hopeful, like, yes, sex can be better and independently of whether or not they ejaculate, like think about those multiple orgasms without the ejaculation. Think about that. That is fun. I mean, like Kevin said, some men spend years to learn that trick. Some men, I mean, they, you know, they come and see me and they're like, I want to learn how to not ejaculate. Like they would pay thousands of dollars just to learn that. You know how to do this, like naturally, then harness it. Make the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> Most likely, she will be very glad you did. Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody, that's all the time we have for this episode, and we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>